This is the North Georgia Life Podcast. Embrace life where you live. Welcome to the North Georgia Life Podcast. It's Jake, your host. In today's episode, as I got to this episode and as I went away, I just kind of had the thought of what an amazing place that we live in. There was so much diversity in what we have around us and what's available to us. And I really kind of felt like I was experiencing, it's kind of comical, the whole point of the podcast, which is getting to explore some of the hidden treasures in our area. And I'm telling you, this is one of them. This is absolutely one of them. A lot of us, uh, I talked to somebody at the gym yesterday that, you know, one of their goals for 2020 is to to get a hold of their health. And this is one of those ways to do it. We're at a local organic farm in the North Georgia region that supplies food not only to farmers markets, but has channels where you can get fresh fruits and vegetables delivered to your door. You don't have to go to a farmer's market uh, through one of their partners. So, you know, the week something is harvested from the ground, you can have it on your plate. And again, so many people have no idea something like this exists in our area, and that's why we're bringing it to you. It's the whole point of the podcast. You can always find us online at Facebook and Instagram, North Georgia Life Podcast. You can email us at North Georgia Life Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggestions for future episodes, happy to uh, provide as much information and feedback as I can. And if you have a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody that you know that has just moved in this area or maybe just needs to get out of the, the routine that they're in on the day-to-day, would you share this podcast with them and give them a chance to explore some other hidden treasures in our area and hear the story about the people behind those organizations and businesses? So with that, we'll get started. Welcome to the North Georgia Life Podcast. It's Jake, your host, and today's episode I am super intrigued about and excited to bring to you because it is a a really special place in our region of the world and uh, one of those things that I think a lot of people are interested in, want to know about, and they just don't know it's there, which is part of the reason we do the podcast, to bring it to you. So we are at Fry Farm, which is in Bethlehem. And I'm with Matt Fry, who is the farm manager, and this is a uh, family-owned and run operation, and this is, in its truest sense, what farming should be and could be and was like for for years and generations ago. And we have an active farm that is bringing good quality, fresh foods, organically grown, to all sorts of uh, different avenues around our region. And we've got a pretty great story of how it started and where it is now. So, Matt, thanks for taking the time to be here. Hey, thanks for having me. The house we're in today was the house that you grew up in. Yes. This is a family farm. That's right. Uh, And you you moved here when? Um, We moved here in 94. Okay. My parents purchased property, moved from Loganville, and moved here. And it's how many acres again? It's 12 acres. 12 acres. Mm -hmm. So not... Not hundreds of acres. Um, no, it's not. It's not huge. Tells tells you you don't need a, a huge piece of property. You just need to know how to use it right. That's right. Yeah. And they started out. Were they always farmers? Did they always have a green thumb? Do you remember? They they did. They you know both of them grew up gardening. You know growing vegetables with their family. And yeah, as soon as they moved out here, we started a little a little garden plot and started growing you know tomatoes and peppers and 
all your usual suspects. Yeah, I was going to say all the usual things people start out growing. That's right. <laughs> was that something that was in your DNA naturally? You just like being outside in the garden? or? Yeah, definitely like being outside. I think I spent more time chasing you know snakes and lizards than <laughs> actually <laughs> up in the garden up until a certain point. But I definitely, um, I definitely loved it. I love being outside and, um, you know, just seeing the whole process. Um, it's something I fell in love with later on in life, but, Mm -hmm. you know, as a kid, I definitely, um, I like being out there. So about how big was the first garden? You think the first garden was probably, let's see, maybe 20 by 50. Okay. Something like that. It's very small. So just right on top of the hill and, Mm -hmm. um, had it fenced in, keep the rabbits and the deer out. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I wish we could do that with what we have now, but, um, but yeah, that's where it started and, uh, you know, just grew kind of the, you know, the common Southern vegetables, like I said, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, um, you know, a few greens here and there, collards, things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And what stage did you get involved in the actual operation of the farm? So my parents actually started back up a little bit. The, the economy kind of crashed. My dad works in the construction industry. Um, so around 2008 they decided to start selling some of their vegetables to try to make up for some of the the lost income um and so they got into a farmer's market it was the swanee farmer's market was the original one Mm -hmm. um i was in college at the time and um i started helping them doing the market and then coming out when i could and helping them in the actual in the garden getting everything um growing and then just kind of kept helping them do that i got i came out of college and Went and um, did an internship with Trout Unlimited. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I got a forestry degree from uh, Warnell School of Forestry Resources. I did work a little bit in the agricultural world. I worked for the crop and soil sciences while I was in college. Um, anyways, came out and I actually went to work for a company that did nuisance wildlife control. So I was um, basically a critter getter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, you know, I did that. And did, you get still- to, did you get to blow up any beaver dams? I did actually, that's absolutely awesome. did. That's like yeah. on my, that's on my bucket list. Yeah, if anybody was, has a connection for how to blow up beaver dams, please call me. It, it's it's definitely something to something to see when you <laughs> see that stuff getting shot a hundred feet up in the air yes. in the middle of the swamp. That's but, what I'm talking about. Um, did a lot of you know trapping beavers and bats and squirrels, everything you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continued doing that for for several years. Um, but you know, while during my time off, I would come help on the farm, and we just kind of slowly grew it. And grew it and um i guess i eventually came on board full-time i think it was in 2016 okay when i came on full-time okay I, I would imagine as the the farmer's market started to pick up as far as them selling stuff the garden if you will here grew and grew and grew did they have a plan of saying hey we think this could actually be a a, a business business or was it just like it got to be a lot and then it was like we got a business here <laughs> you know? not at first we nobody was thinking it was going to be you know an, an actual um sustainable business it was more of a, a hobby farm trying to make some extra income mm-hmm. but you know as we as we grew more and more we started seeing a lot of potential there a lot of people really uh, getting excited about it and you know from day one we were really particular about the quality of the produce that we were we were putting out mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't sell anything that didn't look great, you know, some, a lot better than anything you've ever seen in a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of where it all stemmed from. And, um, you know, we just saw the potential with, you know, customers really just loving, loving all of it. And mm-hmm. 
you know, it was kind of driven by the customers. Hey, we want this, we want that. And so we started adding growing space here, started adding growing space there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of just fell in love with the whole process. Um, and then, you know, I guess it was around, you know, 2013, 2014 when I started seeing, okay, well, this, this might actually turn into something. Mm-hmm. I was kind of getting tired of the industry I was in, wasn't really happy with the company I was working for and uh, started working on an out. Mm-hmm. And um, we just, we just kind of grew it to a point where now it is a, you know, a successful business mm-hmm. at this point. When I was talking with Adriana at yeah. Alta Cucina, uh-huh. so she's awesome. She, yeah, she is awesome. <laughs> she needs to have her own show somewhere. She does. Yes, she does. <laughs> I could, I could listen to her all day. I know. So, uh, she was telling me about some of the the produce that you have, and mm-hmm. she was describing it to me. And I think she showed me a picture or two. And it was uh, some of the honestly crops I've never seen before. Right, right. Where did those come from? Can you share a little bit about well, some of those uh, specialty products beyond the uh, zucchinis, the peppers, the tomatoes, mm-hmm. the greens? Some of those things that are. Uh, maybe more normal crops right yeah we a lot of it came from customers suggesting we grow certain things a lot Mm -hmm. of it was just us looking through seed catalogs and wanting to to stand out from from the rest of the farms Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of things like uh, right now we have um, you know pink radicchio which is a just beautiful pink head Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people call it pink lettuce but it's a it is a salad green it's just like you've never seen before. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of the ones she showed me. Yeah. I'm like, that is, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. It looks like a flower. Yeah. You're chopping up, putting in a salad. We have rainbow carrots, but it's not your standard rainbow um, carrot mix. We actually take several varieties of carrots, mix them together and then plant them. And so when we're pulling them, you've got different shades of purples and pinks oh, wow. and reds and yellows and whites and of course orange. Mm-hmm. And there's all we'd grow things like parsnips, which you don't really see in the South that much. I grew I grew a bunch of parsnips this year. Did you? I don't know how well I did. Yeah, well, I need I need good recipes for parsnips because I've literally I got about a five gallon bucket full of parsnips in my garage that I just pulled this week, which is late on harvesting yeah. them. We'll, we'll talk after. I need yeah. <laughs> I need to well, know what to do with them. I always tell everybody you roast them. Any root, you just uh, throw some olive oil and salt on it, roast it in the oven. Okay. Very simple. And okay. You'll you'll love them, but but yeah, just different things like that. We have you know even things like kale, which is a common vegetable. Mm. We find different varieties that are different colors like a red ursa and um you know red russian there's a there's a lacinato that's got a red stem we grow you know purple varieties like purple bok choy purple tatsoi mm. um, purple napa cabbage um yeah yeah I, I could things go that are that are um, good for you in the nutrient sense but it really right. it's going to be a whole lot more attractive it is yeah on on the plate that's and, right um as as we all know you you taste with your eyes first that's right so yeah. That's really cool. So I, I want to transition because one of the things that, and this is, so you're, you're probably the, the, the third tier in the conversation uh, uh, of how I got here, which mm-hmm. was, you know, us starting, our family starting probably about a year ago of, of really trying to uh, get our family as best we can into a, the non-GMO world, mm-hmm. the organic, you know, products. Right. And, I don't know if the right word is so much ignorance, but there's there's so many people who, uh, frankly, are are being affected by having genetically modified things. They're just mm-hmm. they don't maybe know it yet. Right. And that was that. I mean, that was us. It was you're you're just a normal person right. eating you know quote normal food, and then you know you get a diagnosis or something bad happens, or you start having you know certain issues, whether it's 
digestive, skin issues, you know, all sorts of different things. And a lot of it is being traced back to, frankly, the quality and the products of the type of food that you're putting in your body and what has happened to those things along the way to, to get in front of you on your plate or in your bowl or whatever. And one of the things that was fascinating, which I, I, I want selfishly just kind of the inside secrets, because I've had so many problems in gardens, just little, you know, I mean, not 20 by 50, like 10 by 10 gardens with, uh, with insects that are like zucchini, like mm-hmm. last year. I don't know what the little green worms are, but I want to burn them all. Yeah, you know? probably pickle worms. As yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you get a good looking zucchini, everything's rocking and rolling. And then, bam, one day the whole thing is eaten out by yeah. these little messengers of Satan. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word for them. Yeah. So you don't use any pesticides. No, no synthetic pesticides. We do have some organic um, options that we can use that have no residual. Uh-huh. Um, they're naturally derived. Things like um, pyganic, which is an organic pyrethrin. Okay. It has, as soon as it, as soon as it hits the plant, you know, it hits the bug. It can kill the bug, whichever one it's labeled for, mm-hmm. and then it's gone. It dissipates. Mm-hmm. Um, has you know, it doesn't stick around like the synthetic pesticides. It can you know stay on the vegetables for months. Yeah. Um, and then for the most part, we don't use anything. Yeah. Um, we work on our soil. That's the most important thing. You get your soil healthy. The plants are healthy. And plants have natural defense mechanisms. It's actually pretty amazing. It's kind, it's kind of like people. That's right. Like yeah, the human body. Absolutely. And the funny part is, is these um, these plants, if they're good and healthy, they're releasing these, um, you know, some people call them flavonoids, which deter insects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it actually increases the flavor of the plant. Hmm. Um, and so when you're eating, you know, something that's uh, been attacked by bugs or something. If if it's a healthy plant and it's been releasing those flavonoids, you're actually going to have a better flavor than something that's been doused with pesticides that never right. even seen a bug on them because right. they die immediately before they get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as our soil is healthy, for the most part, we do pretty well with the insects. Now, sometimes we have to just kind of ride off a crop and mow it down mm-hmm. and kind of start over. You know, like I said, there are like a, there's neem oil, there's um you know, like garlic oil, things like that, that we can use that help. Mm-hmm. None of them work very good. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you got to kind of keep your expectations managed, but, um, yeah, I mean, there is definitely doable. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily, you know, on a larger scale, you know, that people, people say, if we're going to feed the world, we have to use pesticides and things like that. And I don't really buy into that because mm-hmm. I think there is ways of getting around that, you know? Yeah. I, I, do you use, uh, chickens? We do. You got uh, well. We don't <clears throat> team of chickens here. <laughs> we do have we have about two hundred chickens oh, that wow. we use for egg laying, but we don't really run them through the fields just for sanitation issues. Okay. Um, but we do f- sometimes when we have to ride off a crop that's been yeah. attacked by bugs, we cut that crop down and give it to the chickens and let them eat the bugs <laughs> and the plants, and they have a field day with that. Yeah. Um, and we sometimes do run the chickens through fields that we aren't going to be harvesting anything from for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So, so somebody had told me years ago, one of the things that I do just cause we don't like to, to spray anything on, on our vegetables and stuff, which is frankly why I've not been a very successful gardener. Cause I haven't figured out <laughs> yeah. the secrets yet, but right. uh, of using uh, a little bit of dish soap with uh, a little bit of cayenne pepper mm-hmm. and, and basically just dousing the, the foliage of the plants mm-hmm. top and bottom of the leaf um, with that. And as it was explained to me, all, all insects hate soap. Yeah. So the soap, he said, just a little bit of soap is actually good for the, the foliage of the plant, 
but it mm-hmm. also is a natural deterrent. And it's just that is that is a maintenance game of, you know, obviously the rain is going to wash it off. It's right. going to eventually, you know, dissipate and wear off. So let's talk about the soil mm-hmm. because I think y- your your description of that. It's it's the same way some of the the medical professionals that that our family has met with and talked with that are like our doctor right now is an MD but does everything treatment wise in terms of vitamin supplements homeopathic remedies and stuff like that and her comment to us has has basically been when the when the body has the right balances of where it needs to have to have all the reactions it needs mm. to have the body will fight off almost anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's absolutely, it's made to defend itself. The reason a lot of us get sick and we've got all these issues is because we're, we have deficiencies or mm-hmm. we're ingesting something that is actively fighting against our body. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I hadn't even thought about the nature of, you know, effectively soil being that for the plant, mm-hmm. because that's what the roots are taking in. That's right. the environment it's in. Uh, for somebody who is maybe just wants a couple container gardens, you know, small, you know, six, eight, 12 plants, mm-hmm. probably the only soil to have access to is what's going to be at your, you know, big box hardware stores. Right. Do you have a, a hard and fast recommendation on that? Do they need to go somewhere else to well, get garden soil? No, not necessarily. You can use what what's at Home Depot. You really need to check and make sure, you know, there's so many different types of soil there. There's, you know, bags of potting mix and there's a bag of peat you know mm-hmm. there's just so many things so you want to make sure you have all your nutrients there and so what i'd recommend is getting a bag of um whatever you know soil they have making sure it doesn't have any any uh, chemicals in it sometimes mm-hmm. they already have chemical fertilizer and mm-hmm. we don't really want that um and then you can take that mix it with some native soil from your own backyard mm-hmm. um, maybe do like a 50 50 mix or something then you're going to want to put some sort of nitrogen um, in it so you can get a bag of I think they call it black hen. Black, black cow. Or black cow. Black hen's yeah. got a higher nitrogen content than uh-huh. black cow, but um, you can do something like that and throw a bag of that in there and mix it in. Mm-hmm. And that should give you a pretty good soil base. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe a little bit of lime just in case it's acidic. It should be balanced out already with mm-hmm. that, that soil. But, um, yeah, that should give you a good base as long as you have those all those nutrients that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's other things. We could talk for for hours about what what else goes into it but um that, that, that would be a pretty good start yeah just want to make sure you have some nitrogen in there and um that putting your native soil in there that's going to hold the moisture in a little better mm-hmm. um it's going to make a better consistency okay so let's talk about where where your products are now mm-hmm. so you're supplying about how many locations at this point so we do two farmers markets the sandy springs farmers market and the swanee farmers market both mm-hmm. of those are on saturdays from eight to noon Okay. And there, it's the off-season right now. The Swanee Farmer, Farmer's Market actually has a winter market every uh, second Saturday of every month. Um, so you can find us there. And then um, Sandy Springs opens back up, back up in April. Swanee opens back up in May full-time. Mm-hmm. And we also supply to um, a company called Fresh Harvest, and they're out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Really great company, and they do veggie boxes, mm-hmm. and they actually deliver them to your front door. Um, there's different options. You can go on their website and check. And we're not the only farm that provides to them, but they're, you know, they're, they're sticklers about quality and they, um, they get a lot of produce from us, which is nice. We like working with them. And then we work with a company called Collective Harvest out of Athens. We're one of um, six farms that provide to them. And it's a more of a traditional CSA. They have, don't really know the numbers right now. It's in the winter CSA right now, but they have quite a few members and, uh, 
you go through and it's customizable, but you basically pick up your basket every week full mm-hmm. of vegetables from those farms. And all the farms are just like us. They grow really high quality produce. They get it to the, the customers very fast. Mm-hmm. So you're getting it very fresh. It's not been sitting around like, you know, the, right. the produce in the grocery store. Yeah. Um, and then we also provide to some restaurants. Right now, there's two uh, restaurants in Winder that we provide a lot to. It's um, Bistro Off Broad. Yes. And Lobby at the Maddox. I and don't I don't know a lot. Bistro, it's right next door. Yes. And Chef Alex Friedman, he's awesome. He's yes. so in tuned to buying local mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, he, he buys a lot from us. I just took a huge order yesterday to him. And, yeah. And it's an awesome restaurant. Yeah. Both of them really are. We eat there quite a bit. Yeah. So. Um, and to have them in Winder, you know, uh, yeah. if you're not familiar with Winder, a lot of it's, it's growing. Let's yeah. just put it that way. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, down, downtown, I was actually talking about uh, downtown Winder with somebody in, in a real estate conversation, uh, might have been beginning of this week, it was uh-huh. this week or last week. And I said, it was actually, yeah, it was, it was Friday last week. Downtown Winder is going to be like downtown Buford in mm-hmm. 10 years. Yep. Like, absolutely if, if you are a if you're an aspiring business that you want to get in on the ground floor that is a move you need to make now mm-hmm. <laughs> get yep. your spot in downtown winder because it's coming there. absolutely yeah it's already changed changed a lot since you know i was uh i was a kid so yeah it's really kind of neat to watch it grow like that in our world as we we kind of shop for produce and food and and everything now uh, my wife and I have kind of coined this term like everything free, <laughs> you know, which right. is antibiotic free, pesticide free, non-GMO, organic. You mm-hmm. know, it is what it should have been right. or, and was 100 years ago. Uh, so everything you do on the farm is that's that's the ultimate goal as natural as humanly possible right. with with a ton of variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the I don't know if retailers is the right word, but the places that, that like you said, Fresh Harvest and mm-hmm. some of those places where people can order fresh produce right. year round. Right. So obviously the the menu is going to change some, yes. but that's that's the conversation I had with somebody about a month ago was uh, they they love farmers markets, they love getting stuff, but they one they go to locally is you know, is only a part of the year. Right. So it's not a year round thing, which at that point when you're getting fresh stuff, one it's going to taste better. And you get, you know, you get a little bit of culinary experience. Yeah. You get to start cooking a few different things a few different ways. That's right. The places that you uh, you have your your ordering from, anybody have recipes? We got recipes for any of this stuff online? Yeah. Fresh Harvest and Collective Harvest both put out recipes awesome. weekly, um, you know, to reflect what they're putting, especially things when we have stuff that they're buying. And they're good about buying unique produce, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that people aren't familiar with. They'll put recipes out. So uh, you're kind of dummy proofing it exactly. for people who are that's right they want to eat healthy but then it's like i got all this stuff that i don't know <laughs> i yeah. don't know how to cook well like i said before the <laughs> i'm i'm a lazy cook so everything gets roasted or gets eaten raw <laughs> so it's real simple and it always tastes really well you know any of the roots any of the broccoli cauliflower, any of that stuff you just toss it in olive oil salt it throw it in the oven mm-hmm. um it's gonna taste good very simple so I'm gonna I'm gonna share one of my and you you may already do this. So I I don't like some things that I I really want to like like Brussels sprouts. Yeah. So I I've started when we'll have like a steak which is very rare. Um, we'll have steak a couple times a year. I'll cut the fat off the steak mm-hmm. and I put it in the freezer 
and then I salt. I get a cast iron pan, and I saute the Brussels sprouts with the steak fat. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, dude. That's the way to go with Brussels yes. sprouts. You don't want to do the old steam, no, steam Brussels sprouts. No, don't steam them. <laughs> don't worry about olive oil. Saute them in some steak fat so you get good animal get fat. Get a little charred. Yeah, you yeah. Get, just wait till they get a little bit black on the, on the outside. Put some salt and pepper on them, and that's all you need. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. For people that don't like Brussels sprouts, they try that. They're going to they're oh, gonna man. like them. Yeah. That's the way to have them. Yeah. Um, any best memories, favorite stories from, from the farm? We do. do field we, trips come here? We do tours sometimes. Um, we have a lady named Lisa Washington. She is a yoga instructor, um, health coach, mm-hmm. and she does um, a luncheon out here once a year. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it's going to be this year. Yeah, we haven't figured it out, but... She brings um, you know, a ton of people out here, and she does this, a yoga class. We do a farm tour, and she does this big luncheon. She's mm-hmm. an awesome chef. And other than that, we just do some tours you know, every now and again. Um, mm-hmm. So not a lot of big events, but we, we, would, like to, um, we would like to do that in the future. Mm-hmm. But as far as um, story, you know, my favorite story from the farm, I think we used to do a market at the YMCA in Dunwoody. And I had this guy that came in every day. I had my stuff set up and he would kind of turn his nose up a little bit because a lot of people, you know, it's kind of a political thing with seeing organic vegetables and they're just kind of turning, oh, whatever, organic, that's silly. But it, I just started to notice it kind of caught his eye a little bit, a little bit more every week and every mm-hmm. week. And finally he came and bought some stuff from us. Mm-hmm. And he came back the next week and he's like, wow, this just tastes so much better than what you get in the grocery store. And yeah. he bought more. Uh, and eventually he was buying weeks worth of vegetables from us every week. Mm. And he came to me one time and told me that he had been eating so many of our vegetables and he went to the doctor and the doctor actually was amazed at how healthy he was. And he was able to take him off some of his prescription yeah. meds. Um, and it was just really neat to see that change in someone that, you know, kind of thinks of, you know, organic produce. A lot of people kind of, yeah, they, they think it's more of a, um, more of a fad or a gimmick, mm-hmm. um, and he started realizing that quality, you know, especially buying it local. It hadn't, it's only been on the ground for 24 hours. Yeah. And it really changed his whole perspective on it. And now he's, he's a customer. I think he buys fresh harvest baskets. Now we don't do that market anymore, but mm-hmm. um, he's still a customer of ours. And it's really, it's really cool to see somebody transform like that. Yeah. There's a, I, I may get the name wrong. We've watched a number of, of documentaries years ago before we it was, it was like we were watching these these food and health documentaries before we were really making any changes and it was kind of like it was we were gearing up for I guess the life change that we were about to have and we didn't even right. know it <laughs> but I think the the documentary is called the magic pill mm-hmm. and if I'm remembering it correctly there was a number of people I think maybe five or six people that they followed that all had different health issues. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember one of the ladies was on, I don't know, like 12, 15 different medications. Yeah. And they changed her diet to basically a, a whole food diet. So if it, if it was not alive in some way, shape or form, it was not eaten. Right. And that's all she ate for. I mean, I, I think it was if not that long. It was like six, eight weeks maybe. Uh-huh. And by the end of that like she, there was one prescription she didn't even get filled, and she was off. I think all of her medications, in wow. a in a tube. Like I mean, it was a really short period of time. I can't remember how uh, how much it was, but for for that kind of lifestyle change, mm-hmm. I mean, she was having vision problems. I mean, it's all sorts of of things. Yeah. And 
like she, like the one I remember the one medication her doctor was like oh this must really be working she's she was like I didn't have the heart to tell him like I never took it <laughs> I never took it I just changed what I was putting in my body yeah it's and, amazing how your diet can have a huge effect yeah on your overall health yeah I um something I share with people because so many people are uh, if you've not been negatively affected you don't know mm-hmm. you it's like you just don't know what you don't know. Um, for years I had had skin issues where my, like my skin would break out and I went to, I don't know how many different dermatologists and it was nobody, you know, some would say it's psoriasis. Some would say it's eczema, all these different things. And they were just trying to give me prescriptions. You know, here's this pill, here's this steroid cream, here's this, whatever. And I'm, I, I got so frustrated because of like, there is something in me that is causing this. Right. I don't want an outside treatment. I want to know what the cause is because if I know what the cause is, I can fix it. Right. And for me, it was it's a hundred percent linked to dairy. Mm-hmm. And the the weird thing, which I don't share this with a whole lot of people, but so I had figured that out, and it's it's different kinds of dairy affect me differently. Mm-hmm. So I could have a piece of pizza or you know a couple pieces of pizza on Friday night, and I'm, for the most part, I'm fine. If I have leftovers the next day for lunch, game over. Oh, like wow. I'll, my skin will break out. It usually, you know, happens in about 24 hours, uh, and and it you know takes a, a week to clear up. Well, what I didn't understand. So a couple of years ago, I did periodic fasting over the course of a year, and one of the weeks, the the, the longest period I did was seven days. Mm-hmm. So seven days with just you know basically liquids. And obviously no dairy. And on day, I think it was like five, my skin started to break out. Like I had wow. had, you know, ice cream. Yeah. And and it hit me because somebody years ago had shared with me a story about somebody uh, that they knew who had the same kind of thing. And and it was it was like your body has whatever this is stored in your cells. And it's like if you picture a cup and you're filling the cup up, you know, to a certain level, um, once it gets full, then it starts spilling over and um, and the stuff starts coming out of you. Well, if your body is getting food constantly, it's burning other energy. It's not it's not dipping into that cup. But when you don't have that and it starts to need to tap into your you know fat cells and your 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 stored up energy in your body, it's dipping into that cup and it's releasing that whatever that is into your bloodstream mm-hmm. just like you would if you were eating and it it hit me i'm like this stuff is in my body and it's like i have a certain threshold that my body can tolerate right and i go beyond that and that's when it comes out and so i shared that with with so many people uh my my wife she had had so many digestive problems for uh for her whole life mm-hmm. and when we got off gluten instantly fixed it like instantly and then every now and then you know we joke about it she'll like fall off the wagon (laughs) and i'll be like i'll be like the wagon's getting a little little far away you might want to get back (laughs) on and and instantly like she gets starts you know she has something a day or two with gluten Uh right back at it yeah off gluten clear sailing and it's it's just I don't know what it is, but it, that's what it is. Yeah, I digress, but that's that's kind of my personal history or story on on 
just how important food is and in knowing what you're putting in your body right. over the next five, 10 years, you guys have any expansion plans for the farm? Is there parts of the farm that you're not utilizing for farming that you want to grow? You guys comfortable where you're at? Yeah, well, um, we don't have anything planned as far as expansion, expanding the land. Um, it is something that's going to happen mm -hmm. in the next few years. We were, you know, we're going to be at our limit here on this property and we'll have to um, find some more acreage. Um, we are adding a pack shed this year um, where we can, you know, get everything packed up and, mm -hmm. um, you know, wash all our produce and um, prep everything. It's going to make it a lot easier doing that. Um, and we're getting better at growing in the space we, we have. Mm -hmm. We're learning things. You're constantly learning. We're getting better yields. Um, we're learning to uh, slow down on our tillage, which is helping the soil. Um, and, it, yeah, we're just getting – I think we're, we've got a lot of um, potential here still mm -hmm. to get better at using the space we have. Um, but in the next few years, we definitely will be looking to get more acreage because – um, I just, there's a lot of potential out there. There's a demand for our products mm -hmm. and there's no reason to slow down. Yeah. And I, I think the demand, honestly, I think it's going to exponentially grow because mm -hmm. uh, as, as we all know, all of the, you know, the subdivisions they're building, they're building homes right on top of each other. You know, right. you don't, you don't have a prayer for having a space for a garden. So a lot of people do are container gardens, just five gallon buckets on the back porch, stuff mm -hmm. like that. They may be moving from a property where they did have a garden right and so they still want that i mean you get a fresh grown tomato from your back deck and one from the grocery store it's night and day right. i mean it's it completely is. different this is a great option to still get the product that you you want not granted you're not going to have the the gardening green thumb activities right. but you're still able to get the end result without you know not have to sacrifice that yeah it's going to be about as fresh as you're going to get without growing it your own mm -hmm. i think that's another important part besides supporting local businesses mm -hmm. getting local produce i mean you know when you when you harvest a vegetable you're ending its life it's starting to die mm -hmm. at that point so you're on a time crunch you got to get it in get it eaten um or you're going to start losing flavor right and so when you go to the grocery store you're buying something that's been sitting around for no telling how long it's been shipped around it's lost a ton of nutrients mm -hmm. it's absorbed flavors from wherever it's been stored and so you know that's buying local produce but beside the fact of you know that it is organically grown it just tastes better yeah I and mean, it's just it's going to taste like you grew it in your backyard you know yeah so you've been in this area for quite a while any mm -hmm. of your favorite spots things to do places to go that you love yeah i'm an avid fly fisherman so i um i really love a lot of people don't realize it's in our backyards at chattahoochee river mm -hmm. um, the national recreation area you know between buford dam and and on down it's one of the best trout fisheries in the country and we're driving it over every day we're, right. we're in traffic <laughs> we're, we're cussing the traffic or driving yeah, over it it's it's just really incredible and if you get down and explore it and get in it and it's just a beautiful place mm -hmm. and it, um it's really something I, it's it's neat that we have that here and even further up above lake lanier the chattahoochee up there is just such a beautiful place yeah. i think we take it for granted a lot yeah. but um i love spending a lot of time there yeah i it's was at awesome um uh up in Helen yesterday uh -huh. and yeah there's some of the best trout fishing yeah. I mean w within within 30 minutes any direction of Helen yeah it's like you know a fly fisherman's paradise yeah 
Um, you don't you don't necessarily have the the big open rivers like you do out west, mm-hmm. but it's good it's good fishing. <laughs> yeah, and even you know below Buford Dam, below Lake Lanier, yeah. right, going right through the city. I mean, you can be floating down the river catching big trout just mm-hmm. right there, and you can get out and you're in the middle of the city, and it's pretty yeah. pretty pretty special thing that we we need to continue to protect. One of the things I like to do at every episode before we wrap up is called Lightning Round, which is a question that has nothing to do about anything. So today's question is kind of a open-ended question. The question is, if you were going to be a Marvel or Avengers superhero, which one would you be and why? I'd have to say Iron Man. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know which which world he's in. I don't... I get a confused, I get too but many I'd of, have to say Iron Man. I just like the... Um, you know he's he's got that problem solving thing he's mm. he's always kind of um you know figuring things out yeah and uh working with gadgets and things like that i think he's just uh he's a cool character so that's yeah. probably who i would choose yeah i would probably do that as well maybe superman yeah cuz superman doesn't need the gadgets but the the personality of iron man uh especially robert downey robert downey jr, downey jr. is just a fantastic actor okay so how do people find out about your your farm where your your products are do you have direct links to the farmers markets the retailers um that you supply where they can get the either either come and pick them up themselves or get them delivered to their their front door how do they how do they get that in that process well you can go to our website it's um www.fry-farm.com so f-r-y f-r-y dash f-a-r-m okay.com and um, you can find all the links there to who we supply to and the farmers markets that we that we um, attend. And you can find us on Instagram. We do a lot of Instagram posts, Facebook. We're at Fry Farm. Okay. Um, we also do a newsletter once a week. It's during the during the market season. We send it out once a week. During the off season, it's probably more like once a month. Uh, but you can go on our website and click um, Find Us and sign up for that newsletter, and okay. it'll have. You know, we send it out. We'll send a list of what we have. Um, it'll have all the information on how to order, where we're going to be, um, and then you can you can go from there. And you can always feel free to reach out to us, send us a message on social media, email us. We're at info at fryfarm.com, um, and we're I'm happy to answer anybody's question. If you're just asking a question about gardening or if you want to know where to find our stuff, um, yeah, we're open to all of it. So my my final thought question is, how do you keep those little green worms from off your zucchini? Well, zucchini's tough. If you get them started early, I mean, like right as soon as you think we're going to be, you know, safe from a freeze mm-hmm. or frost, go ahead and get those plants in, and that gets a jump on. The pickle worms seem to get really bad towards the middle of the summer. Uh-huh. Um, but there is a product, and it's an organic product. It's called BT that you can use. Um, it's one of those things that doesn't last very long. So you're going to have to keep it applied. Uh, it's going to get washed off, things like that, mm-hmm. but it's only for worms. It only hurts worms. Mm. And so when they go to eat the zucchini, it makes them sick and they fall off. It's derived from a, uh, an actual, it's, it's natural in the soil. BT's everywhere. It's in our, it's in our soil. It's everywhere. So it's, um, completely safe. And um, what about the, creepy giant tomato devouring worms <laughs> those um that look we, like they're from outer space right the tomato horn worms oh, those gosh. we typically just pick them off by hand yeah you can find them you know you'll see the little piles of poop yeah. on the leaves and you see you'll know there's one above it somewhere mm-hmm. you pick them off 
Um, other than that, there's really not a whole lot you can do. BT may work on those, but it's mm-hmm. not likely. Yeah. So I would just say we usually don't have that big of problems with them. They, I don't, they must have like low jack on me because yeah. they find my tomatoes every year. I had them literally on a second story deck last year uh-huh. and somehow they climbed up the dang post and were on my tomatoes on my back deck. I'm like, <laughs> how? Like, where yeah, and are if you, you coming from? We've had had times where if you don't find them, you know, pretty quickly, they'll strip oh, the leaves it's fast. Done. Yeah. It's like two, three days and it's over. Yeah. We have more problems with the actual cutworms that drill into the actual tomato fruit yes. to get in there. And those things are really tough to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you can also use um, insect covers. We have the same thing we use for frost protection, but it's thinner and you can drape that over huh. over your plants and that keeps things off of it. And using mulch helps mm-hmm. as well. But overall, like I said, just keep the plants healthy. They have their own defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're a lot, plants are a lot uh, smarter, for lack of a better term, than we give them, give them credit for. Well, cool. Matt, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Uh, I don't want to keep you indoors when you need to be outdoors. (laughs) (laughs) With that, we'll wrap up. And uh, again, appreciate your time. Thanks, Jake. This is the North Georgia Life Podcast. Embrace life where you live.